Netflix goes beyond providing entertainment services. As you talk with Netflix users, it becomes clear that Netflix helps to foster community. Minority groups use technology differently from other audiences, and I will say in particular, differently from white audiences. And as such, there has to be content that caters to these groups and reflects their experiences. In this episode of Campus on the Common, we'll talk with Dr. Sharifa Simon-Roberts about the challenges, opportunities for interaction, learning, and engagement with streaming technologies. This is Campus on the Common, the podcast of bright ideas from Emerson College's School of Communication. Broadcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, I'm your host, Emerson College alumnus and professor of communication studies, Mark Brody. I am Sharifa Simon-Roberts. I found this common thread among Black Generation Z in terms of how they use Netflix. So they would wake up on the morning, watch Netflix. They're getting ready for class and they're watching Netflix. They're walking to class and watching Netflix. Even in class, they're watching Netflix. And some of them say, oh, I'll come back home to take a nap, for example, or I'll do some homework. And instead of doing either of those two activities, they'd watch more Netflix. And Netflix is a thing that will accompany them as they're going to bed. So Netflix is this all-pervasive companion that accompanies them every step of the way each day. Why is it Netflix and not some other platform? Well, to start with, Netflix is uh, considered the top subscription-based video on-demand platform. And so there is that. And uh, one of the things we discovered as we were talking about Netflix is this level of community that emerges through the use of Netflix. And so if people are using Netflix to foster community, then it will explain why they're gravitating towards Netflix original series, which are available only on Netflix as opposed to other platforms. Could you give us an example of how this community is manifest within Netflix? Sure. So the community exists both in person and virtually. And so people would ask family members or friends, roommates, classmates for recommendations of shows they can watch on Netflix. They would also go to Twitter. In particular, within the black community, there's black Twitter. And so they'd go to black Twitter and see what people are talking about. Then they would go watch these shows on their own and come back to Black Twitter, for example, or come back to their friends, family members, roommates, classmates to have the conversation. So they seek out recommendations from people, watch the Netflix original series, and then come back to participate in conversations about these series. So is viral recommendation more acute in this particular community versus others? How does it manifest that these recommendations go from one person to another? Is it all familiar? Is it just part of a social network and recommendations sort of cross network lines and it just expands exponentially? I'm wondering if you could go into how the whole referral outlet works within streaming, in particular Netflix. And I would just also add that in particular, my research looked at black millennials and black Generation Z. So I wouldn't want to speak to other or speak for other groups. But in terms of seeking out recommendations, it's Sometimes it's that familial recommendation, as I mentioned, family members, friends, colleagues, that would be one avenue, but also using social media, there's an expectation or an assumption that people who are using social media and frequenting certain sites, and for example, participating in Black Twitter, because that's a nuanced space, they may share similar commonalities that you can identify with. And as such, you would enjoy the same types of programs that those people are recommending. 
Now, are advertisers, have they identified this avenue? Are they going after the, the recommendation through black Twitter like other advertisers would typically do? I think the other means, yes, but in particular Netflix, when we talk about how people are discovering Netflix, in particular black millennials, black generations in Netflix, as far as I know, and this is what I know, they're not necessarily going through black Twitter. Netflix has its strong black leads initiative, and a lot of participants are following them on Twitter and following them on Instagram. And so they are seeing the type of content that's coming out on Netflix as it specifically relates to black content or content directed towards black audiences or featuring black characters in lead roles. Is this consistent with African-Americans and black diaspora? Are we just calling this the black community as a whole? I've come to understand there's the African-American experience. There's the black diaspora experience. So if you're Haitian-American, you have one set of experiences, which might be different from that of a Jamaican-American experience. Mm -hmm. So when we look at what you're talking about in terms of the black Twitter, is it the black diaspora as a whole is taking an interest in Netflix in a, in a new manner, or is it just specific groups within the black community? As if for when, when I was doing my research to recruit participants in particular, I was looking for people who were highly salient about their race and or ethnicity. The question I asked, are you unapologetically black or do you consider yourself unapologetically black? And those were the types of people we targeted and who participated in the research. So that person could have been someone from Trinidad and Tobago, for example, living in the United States. That can have been also someone who was born in the United States and is still living in the United States. So in terms of the black community I was dealing with specifically, they have roots in, in very different places. I know some of the parts participants healed from countries outside of the U.S., but they were living in the United States at the time the research was conducted. Give me a, a better understanding of the type of research you did in order to, to really understand this phenomenon. Sure. So to start with, as I mentioned, I was looking at people who are highly salient about their race and or ethnicity. And the term I use to identify such people is unapologetically black. That is a term that's used in contemporary times when you're talking about your strong affinity and connection with black culture, a high level of pride. I think that will be a good way of seeing it, a high level of pride. And so we wanted people who possess that high level of pride when it comes to their race and on ethnicity to see how they talked about Netflix original series and to see how they use Netflix. So once I identified people who were unapologetically black and were of African descent. So as I mentioned, you could be born in another country, but you had to be living in the United States for the purpose of this research. Then I had focus, I conducted focus groups with them and I divided them between millennial, the millennial generation and Generation Z to see how their use of Netflix and perceptions differed or how they lined up. And that was the primary means through which I was able to obtain this data. Is this a uniquely unapologetically black community phenomena, or is this something that would be more consistent throughout social sciences? So the reason why I focus on black millennials and black generations is because these demographic groups, black audiences, use media and consume media at higher rates than other demographic groups. So you're already starting off with these individuals at a higher rate. Then taking into consideration the age group, 
Generation Z and the millennials watch content and consume new content and use new communication technologies more than other demographic groups. So putting their age factors relating to age as well as factors related to their race and or ethnicity based on previous research that my my current study was built upon suggests that these demographic groups are going to be watching Netflix original series and using Netflix way more than any other group. And to me, the responses I got about watching Netflix all day, every day, reinforced studies that I had consulted outside to help me in understanding this phenomena and help me in terms of developing a way in which I could conduct this research. This is fascinating. What also interests me is why is it that this particular group is looking at Netflix and why is there so much consumption of, of streaming media with this particular group? So a lot of the participants who I interviewed for, in particular, Generation Z, all of them were college students. And so the convenience Netflix offers over a cable subscription, which is difficult to come by as a college student living in a dorm, Netflix offers that a level of convenience that isn't available through other entertainment platforms. Also taking into consideration the cost of Netflix, it's cost efficient, especially when you think about you can share a Netflix account with different people. So different people, whether it's within your family or your group, your group of friends, you all can have the same Netflix account with different profiles. And so it proves to be a cost efficient measure as well for college students. And in terms of millennials, they use Netflix less frequently and more in a more measured manner than Generation Z does. So they would watch Netflix at the end of a week, for example, as a way to unwind, as a way to rejuvenate, as a way to reward themselves for a hard week's work. Let's talk about the content that's consumed. Is it very specific shows? Is it a whole series of related shows? Could you give us some context into what's being consumed within this group? One of the shows that emerged among participants was The Office. They have a strong connection to The Office, and that is a syndicated show that show can exist in syndication. It's also available on Netflix. But participants also highlighted Netflix original series because I really wanted to understand that since that is a relatively novel approach to producing and distributing content for Netflix. So in particular, when you're talking about people who are highly salient about their race and, and or ethnicity and they identify as black, some shows that stood out were On My Block, Dear White People, The Get Down, and Orange is the New Black. And those shows stood out for these audiences because they saw representations of themselves in the content. And so at the end of the day, something that is paramount to individuals who are grouped in this category, and I use this in quotes, minority groups, it is so important that they see images of themselves on screen. And not just necessarily in terms of how the characters look. So the character could have be of the same complexion, but that there needs to be more. For example, there needs to be a level of depth to the character. So the character's life experiences should cover a range of circumstances, not just in the past, for example, it would be common to see a black man portrayed in a negative manner, whether it's as a 
gangster, somebody not taking care of his children, audiences, and I keep on pointing out, and I want to reinforce that these are people who are highly salient about their race and or ethnicity. So they have a high level of pride when it comes to their community. They don't want to see those type of images. They want to see images that reinforce the diversity within the black community, reinforce that black characters can be PhD holders and can also be teachers, can be actors, can be dancers, and can be a stay-at-home mom, for example. It should showcase a range of images. Did Netflix go about creating this programming with the black community in mind, or did the black community happen to come across this programming? I, I would like to think that Netflix was very strategic and very much aware of the need to have shows that capture and attract black audiences, which is why there's a strong black leads initiative. That whole approach suggests that Netflix recognizes the one, the value of this audience to them and to the importance of catering to this audience. And because it, it, I can't emphasize how important participants thought it was to see themselves on screen and not just in a superficial manner. What will happen with other streaming services? Will they follow Netflix lead? I would hope so. Because when you think about black audiences and going back to Nielsen's data that shows that black audiences watch more television than their counterparts from other demographic groups. When you think about the buying power of black consumers and how that has increased over the years, for business purposes, I'd like to at least hope that that's what they would do. But for me, beyond business purposes, doing social good and being accurate storytellers and purveyors of content, I think it's in their best interest to take a page out of Netflix's book and even go beyond that, making sure that as many people as you talk to who are considered quote-unquote people of color see themselves and can relate to at least a few characters in the shows that they create. Could you give us some context into sort of the evolution of what sounds like either programming directed towards the black community or programming that's been accepted by the black community? So let me start with a point of, in terms of Netflix, it has been fairly new with Netflix. It's fairly new because only within the last 10 years, and it's even shorter than 10 years, that Netflix has started creating and distributing its original content. So it's relatively new for Netflix. When you look at other networks, Scandal in particular stands out, and I believe that were, that came out in, that premiered in 2011, and it had been decades since a black woman had held a lead role in a primetime show on network television, and that was Kerry Washington in Scandal. And before that, I want to say, and I could be mistaken, but I strongly believe it would have been Julia decades before. And so there has always been this appetite by audiences for shows, whether the audiences are black or not. There has history and research has shown that shows that feature black characters in lead roles do well. There has been a common misconception though that these shows do not do well. And as such, there have been periods where there have been no black or very few black characters in lead roles 
on network television. And that is problematic. And I think that's where Netflix comes into play because when traditional media platforms fail to provide images that are either acceptable or truly representative of a community, Netflix has the ability and has in many cases filled that gap and provided that much needed representation for these groups of people. So with that, when we look at mainstream TV, has there been an increase in programming that depicts black community members in a more truthful manner than what we had seen in the past? Yes, and I would point to FX, for example, and Atlanta. I'd point to HBO and Insecure. Also on OWN, there's Queen Sugar. So yes, there has been, I would say, within the last seven years, thereabouts, there has been an increase in the number of shows that tell stories. And then you have those casts. Take, for example, 911 on Fox. It's not an all-black cast, but you have black actors in lead roles. And they, they are multidimensional characters. And so they're not just black. They're not just characters there for the sake of being black. They are characters who happen to be black. And they speak well to their experiences as black actors or as black characters in those roles. It's interesting that you mentioned 911. I recently just yeah. watched an episode that happened to be filmed in Rosarito, hey. where Emerson College has a phenomenal summer program. Yes. Had to put a plug in there. When I saw that show, I was impressed with the, the multicultural element to that, mm-hmm. that it wasn't like back in my day, and I'm sort of putting my age out there, there was emergency and it was squad 51 and it was these two white guys who were paramedics in california who were essentially saving the world and if there were people of color as part of the cast they were very much secondary roles in mm-hmm. more like tertiary roles where mm-hmm. 911 it seems to be a fairly wide distribution of a multi-ethnic cast if there were a few stars it would seem to be the interracial couple but that could have just been the episode i happened to see I guess the point here is we're starting to see a change, or perhaps the change has occurred, and I'm just catching up to that, where we're seeing a multicultural uh, presentation of cast members. You mentioned Netflix. We've got 9-11, or 9 rather. Are there any other examples that shows sort of an evolutionary progress towards multi-ethnic representation in media? You said that I'm thinking about all these shows that I've been watching because I enjoy watching television. I'd also point to... Um, ABC's Mixed Dish. That is a spin-off of Blackish and there's also Grownish, which is on Freeform. I watch all of them. And I think it's imp- the reason why I'm pointing out Mixed Dish, it shows an interracial couple and it's based on Rainbow Johnson's life. And uh, I remember listening to one of the actors on Mixed Dish doing an interview press for this show. Her daughter happens to be biracial. She, she is pointing out the importance of seeing those images on screen. The same way I am emphasizing the importance of seeing black characters. I think Mixish also does a good job targeting the, a particular, not particular, but targeting audiences in general and emphasizing that, hey, this is normal. This is the United States of America we should be catering to different audiences and reflecting who our society actually is. But with that, I wonder, will they start to target particular demographic groups or will they try to present more of a multicultural platform? So will we have programs like what we've talked about with Netflix that one community seems to be drawn towards, 
versus the 911 approach that has the multi-ethnic? I think you'd have a, a variety of options available to you. Yeah, I strongly believe that they would be, depending on the network, they will mix up their strategy. But I think when you look at a network as a whole, and even when you look at a show as a whole, there should be some element of diversity if you are actually trying to represent who's, what society is at this point. Another angle I'd like us to take a look at is who's producing these shows mm-hmm. and what's the ethnic makeup of the executives that make all these decisions? Do you have any context, do you have any information as to how these decisions are made and who are making them? And it's interesting that you point out that because one of the participants in the focus group, she said that at the end of the day, we want shows that are for us, by us. And participants time and time said that the only people who can tell authentic stories are people who either have conducted extensive research and thorough research with the members of the black community. And that doesn't even stand as strong as if you bring people who have the expertise and skills and are black into the room. They have this firsthand experience that they can't, it's difficult to pass on, but it's You can tell stories about it. You know it when you see it. And so it's important that we have writers of color in the room and writers of various experiences in the room. And so when you ask about who's in the writer's room or who helps get shows produced, I know, for example, on Issa Rae, I believe her writer's room, there are black writers in that. Same thing with Blackish, Atlanta, also, Dear White People, the showrunner, is black also. Netflix has also signed development deals or deals with Shonda Rhimes, who is responsible for Scandal, Grey's Anatomy, How to Get Away with Murder. She also has, Netflix also, sorry, has Kenya Barris, who is responsible for Blackish, Grownish, and also he's executive producer of Mixedish. And they've also hired Channing Dungy, who used to be at ABC Entertainment. I believe she was the president there. And she, under her control, ABC started Scandal. They did How to Get Away with Murder. And if I were to sit down and think extensively about it, I can list a whole lot of other shows, Blackish, Fresh Off the Boat. Those were some shows that came in while Channing Dungy was there. So she's now at Netflix. And so having these people who have these various experiences and have a track record, I would say, of also telling stories of different groups will continue to have the conversation broaden. It would seem that Hollywood has finally realized there's all this pent-up demand for a different approach to the mainstream media, that by bringing in diversity, it offers a rich assortment of different forms of narrative that one particular mainstream group, they're not privy to. But by opening this up to other people, now we've got this range of narrative, a rich form of storytelling that transcends any particular single ethnic group. I think that's wonderful. The question is, is this a phase? Is this where we're going? Is this evolution that's finally caught up to the United States in terms of the racial differences that have previously divided us? Are we now on the edge of becoming a more unified country because we can now share our media, we can now express ourselves, we can share the narratives of our experiences? Where do you think this is going to be in five years? I can only only hope that this is not a fad and this is a sign of what's to come. Unfortunately, history has shown that 
there were instances when there were high representations of black characters in television shows, but those are passing bad spaces, as you, you can tell, because we're having this conversation about how we are applauding networks for, quote-unquote, their commitment to diversity. You can tell that, yes, a, a decade or so ago, this was not a thing. And so where are we going in five years? I think if networks and streaming platforms continue to make a consistent and concerted effort to serve the people who are their consumers and their audiences, then this is the direction we'll continue to go in. However, I can't necessarily bet on it because if I'm to go back, if I'm to look at history and see what history has shown us, it will disappear. But I really am hoping it doesn't disappear. But history has shown us in the past that it doesn't last. Hollywood is profit motivated. They seem to have found a few niches here that seem to be working very well with specific communities. Well, if it's working, create more. If we've got the black communities responding to certain types of programming, who's to say that other communities wouldn't respond to other types of, of programming? And with that, we've got these markets, if you will, that need to be served. There's all this pent-up demand. We've talked about that, and now that demand is being served. The question now is, will the producers, will the executives that are creating this content, will they open the doors, so to speak, to bring in the talent so they can actually create in a truthful manner, if you will, the narratives that are so demanded by those particular markets. Time will tell. Mm -hmm. So with our remaining time, could you give us three takeaways for the audience? I think it's important to remember that Netflix goes beyond providing entertainment services. Yes, its entertainment is great, but I think something else that it does really well through entertainment is foster community, and that is so very important, regardless of what group you're talking about. The other thing is that minority groups use technology differently from other audiences, and I will say in particular, differently from white audiences. And as such, it has to be content that caters to these groups and reflects their experiences. And the last thing is that Many a time we talk about the challenges associated with new communication technologies, but I think it's so important also to stress that there are a whole lot of opportunities for engagement, for learning, and for interaction once we embrace these new communication technologies. You've been listening to Campus on the Common. Our guest today was Dr. Sharifa Simon-Roberts. I'm your host, Emerson College alumnus and professor of communication studies, Mark Brody. Campus on the Common provides an expert view into the field of media and communication through the lens of academic experts and industry professionals from Emerson and beyond. Campus on the Common is a production of Emerson College's School of Communication. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.